Kind of a bumpy week for me. I have no idea why, but everything was just kind of messed up from Sunday on. You say, well, you get your attention on yourself? Oh, yeah, I always had that problem. But it was something else unusual. And uh, <laughs> probably cutting all them oak trees. I'll tell you what, man, uh, thousands of pounds of that crazy stuff. Literally, uh, well over 6,000 pounds of wood that we chopped up and burnt and turned into firewood and stacked and hauled. And later in the day, it got to be where I, you know, had to really push Joan to keep on working, you know. <laughs> no, the fact is she got mad at me yesterday because I didn't quit when she figured I needed to quit. <laughs> I never seen a woman like that. Man, get mad at somebody because they feel like you're overdoing it. Get mad at you because you're not being good enough to yourself. I said, your problem is you want more for me than I want for myself right now. <laughs> anyway, just to kind of recap literally in just maybe two minutes from last week, I'm going to give you a little outline that I didn't make clear as I would have loved to make last week. If you're going to focus on the Lord and you see things that happen in your life, as those things happen, you need to, first of all, pray for his will. Second of all, you need to trust that he is orchestrating each event in your life. He's never left you nor forsaken you. He knows the hairs on your head and he knows what you have need of before you ask. Now, you know those things and you just need to apply them and things begin to happen to you where you start finding yourself fearful and without faith. Remember, his strength is made perfect in weakness. So when you find yourself fearful and without faith, that's when he has an opportunity to do something there. When you don't need God, he says, okay, fine. Do it your own way. Tear up your nets if you want. I told you to let down more than one, but if you just want to let down one, okay. So what you try to do is you try to remember that he is involved in these things. You need to wait on the Lord. Let him work. Renew your strength. I mean, when you find yourself so anxious that you're panic-stricken and running around trying to get the thing done on your own strength, you know, you've missed the whole thing. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. All you're going to do by bailing in that boat while he's right there with you is wear yourself out. That's all you're going to do. I mean, they accomplished nothing. All they did was just wear themselves out and get frustrated. Next, you need to ask yourself, why am I fearful? Why am I lacking faith? Those are some really good questions. When God asks his creation a question like that and he wants them to think about it, those are some good questions. And you don't know, maybe he'll give you some insight into some of those things. He might show you sometimes why you are fearful and without faith. I can tell you this, I can't tell you. Nobody that looks anything like you can tell you, but he can. Last of all here, God is not testing you. He already knows what's going on. He's really giving you a chance. Those guys in the boat weren't sinking out there because God was testing them. He was actually giving them a chance to perform. And like Adam and Eve, you know, they kind of blew it too. But you can look back on past things in your life, just like we read back into that story of those guys in that ship, and you can learn a lot from it and a lot from your responses to those things. And hopefully the next time an event comes up a little bit like that, that's a little bit similar, you won't disappoint him. Don't yield to fear, rise to the occasion, you know. <laughs> Convert your fears into fear of disappointing him. And then last of all, the greatest sin is no faith for a Christian. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And he created everything for his pleasure. So you couldn't possibly accomplish what he wants you to do if you are without faith. 
Now that's what needs to happen in your life when you find yourself in situations like that. Now we're going to move on to a kind of a different realm here about this glory of God. And it has to do with knowing and understanding God. Because for us to understand his glory, we've got to know an awful lot more about him than we know right now. We can read all kinds of things throughout the word of God about his glory. Whoso offereth praise glorifieth God. When you read those verses about the heavens declaring the glory of God, and then it mentions voice, speech, language, words. What are they saying to you? I'm impressed by him. He's talking about those things actually communicating with you his glory. And if we're not getting that, it's because there's something missing on our side of the fence. It's not because he left something out. So we just need to question some of those things. Now, the question is this. Do you know God? You say, well, I know him, you know. I know him. He's my father. I pray to him all the time, you know. (laughs) Do you really know him, though? If you knew him, you'd never have to ask why. That shows you how little we really do know him. Because we don't understand hardly anything about the bad things that happen to us. We think almost all the time, well, it's got to be the devil, you know. God, save me from the devil. My goodness. <laughs> he already did that. You guys are just like the ones in the boat. Lord, save me from the storm. Wrong. Wrong. Who created a storm? That's the right perspective. For you to understand him, you've got to think beyond the obvious. The question is, do you really want to understand God? Do you really want to know him better? Because if you don't, we're just wasting our time here talking about it. Well, maybe not we. I'm not wasting my time. Because I have a desire. I have a great desire to understand the one that made me a lot more than I understand him now. I have a desire to know him better than I've ever known him before. And the greatest part of that is I benefit tremendously when I get my eyes off of myself and I get them on him. So how do you do that? Man, I've got a joy you can't describe. I've got a distraction from the cares of this world that's just almost like taking narcotics. I mean, when I'm thinking of God, I can't think of one problem. You know that? I cannot. When I just get overwhelmed with his magnificence and his glory and his presence and all the things that he's made and what he's done in the past and what he's going to do in the future... And just the sense of reality that I have with me every day in him, I live and move and have my being. When I get on that ground, you say, he got problem. What problem? (laughs) I don't have any problem. I benefit so much when my attention's focused on him that I cannot describe it. And you know, when you benefit the most is when you're not trying to. (laughs) Isn't that something? when you seek to satisfy yourself, you can't do it. When you seek to satisfy him, then it's a mutual thing. I was talking to Brother Mark the other day. I said, the joy of the Lord is your strength. That of, is that subject or object? I believe it's both. I really do. I believe that when you give God glory and praise and you increase his sense of joy and his pleasure... He reciprocates. You know how he does it? He just gets near you. You remember the Lord says, if these didn't cry out, the rocks and stones would have cried out. 
I think that's what it's like. I think when the creator gets that close to his creation, it begins to respond. You say, what are you talking about? Like Moses, when the Lord met him up there on a mountain and he came down, his face was glowing. What was that from? You think that was just a sign that God gave him? I don't think so. I think that was just the creator getting that close to his creation. It just, don't you feel that when he gets close to you? Don't you get that sense of just being overwhelmed? And doesn't it just warm you from the inside out? Don't you quit thinking about all your problems when you're thinking about him? Isn't that amazing? And yet when our attention's turned back on ourselves, we can't think of him hardly at all. Look over in Mark 12. Mark chapter 12, verses 28 to 34. Do you really want to know him? And one of the scribes came, having heard them reasoning together, and perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him, which is the first commandment of all? And Jesus answered him, the first of all commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is like, namely this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. And the scribe said unto him, Well, master, thou hast said the truth. For there is one God, and there is none other but he. To love him with all thy heart, with all the understanding, with all the soul, with all the strength, and to love his neighbor as himself is more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he answered discreetly, he said unto him, Thou art not far from the kingdom of God, and no man after that durst ask him any questions. You say, what's significant about that? Well, to start with, at that point, God shut every one of them up. Nobody else asked him any more questions. I mean, it was like, okay, we're done. (laughs) You notice there was some things about that, though. That communication, the Lord said, heart, soul, mind, and strength. But the guy responded, heart, understanding, soul, and strength. You say, well, that's just a man's understanding of the whole thing. Maybe so, but I think your mind and your understanding are connected. I think they're connected somehow on a level that God works inside of your mind to understand him and to know him. You say, are those things an intellectual thing? I don't know. Let me ask you this. Can you love without understanding? Yep. Can you understand without loving? How about that? Let's put it this way. Can you love God without understanding him? Can you understand God without loving him? I don't think so. You see how that stuff is tied back together? They are connected. For you to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, understanding, strength, and all the rest of that stuff, everything that's within you, it draws you to him. That's what it does. And to understand him draws you back to him. And to love him would want you to understand him more. Unless you're too involved with yourself. He says, well, I prayed about it once, but he didn't show me nothing. (laughs) I'm afraid that's how we feel sometimes. Anyway, let's look over to Ephesians chapter 3, 1 to 6. For this cause, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles, if ye have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given unto you word, 
how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote before in few words, whereby when you read, ye may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by his spirit, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. What God's showing us here in the word of God is he says, first of all, you're supposed to love him with all of your mind, body, soul. You come over here to Paul, which is also part of the scriptures, and he refers to us as Gentiles. And what's he interested in? That whereby when you read, you may understand my knowledge and the mystery of Christ. So this has to do with something beyond our understanding. There's seven mysteries in this Bible. There's seven of a lot of things in this Bible, but there's one of them. There's seven mysteries. And one of them, you know, is a virgin birth. And there's some other things in there. You know, there's a mystery around I speak unto you. And there's a whole bunch of them, but there's still seven of them. This is one of them. So he wants you to get beyond where you are. The question is, if you want to understand God, how are you going to do that? Is it possible? I said, well, he told you to do it, so it must be possible. How much time have we spent doing that in the past life? Not enough. I can tell you that right now. Why is that? Because we're distracted. Look over at Colossians. Colossians, you say, where are we going with this stuff? If you're going to understand God, you're going to have to understand that it is his desire. Now, we've read some of this stuff before, but these are great verses. Colossians 1.9. For this cause, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Strengthen with all might according to his glorious power and unto all patience and long suffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet to be partakers of an inheritance of the saints of light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things and by him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning of the firstborn from the dead and all things he might have the preeminence. Now, let me ask you, how much preeminence does he have in your life? He has it when you're focused on him. That's when he's got the preeminence. When your attention is on him, he has the preeminence. When you're focused on your problems, he doesn't. Now, if all these things are made for him and by him, and he brings you through these things, there's some stuff going on in our lives on a daily basis that we don't grasp at all. And it has to do with the problems, the trouble in our life. Man is born into trouble as the sparks fly upward. (laughs) That's true. Where do you think Job's problems came from? God or the devil? God tempteth no man, right? (laughs) Right? Well, then he's giving you an opportunity somewhere. (laughs) What about the guys in the ship? Was that Satan stirring up the wind? 
What was that? God have to stop him? No. The Lord is working in our lives so much that every hair on our head is numbered. And we still think the things that are happening to us that affect us so much, you start thinking that, oh man, it's all out of control. No, it's not. No, it's not at all. A child gets to thinking things are out of control when they get fearful. And the parent can have the whole thing under control. Don't worry about it, kid. I got it. And I guarantee you, our father is a better father than ours were. The heavenly father exceeds them all. He's all-knowing, all-powerful, all-loving, and he knows how to give good gifts to his children. So why don't we get more good stuff from him? Because it ain't good for us. That's why. (laughs) Real simple. Anyway, he wants you to have the knowledge of his will in all wisdom, in all spiritual understanding. He wants you to walk worthy of the Lord into all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God. Now, how can we understand and know him more? How are we going to do that? First, you're going to have to go against your very nature. You say, well, that doesn't make any sense. I agree with you, it doesn't. It doesn't make any sense that Adam and Eve would have chosen to eat of that fruit instead of obeying God the Father. That doesn't make any sense. One preacher preached a message called the insanity of sinners. By the time he is done with that thing, you realize that the way we live in our very nature is right there out there on the edge of that insanity. We do stuff that's absolutely insane. Well, just almost as bad as a guy putting a shotgun in his mouth, blowing his brains out. Permanent solution to a temporary problem. It's just about that smart. We're constantly doing stuff to destroy ourselves and the reward for it is nothing. It's just superficial nothing. It's like the guy that goes into the stop and rob and holds them up, pulls a gun on them, you know, 20 years in jail, life in prison, all that stuff, and he gets $85. It's like that kind of insanity. And yet we do those things in relationship to God all the time. How? When you're without faith, you can't please him. You were made for his pleasure. You're counterproductive. After he saved you, after he showed you all this stuff. Does that make sense somehow? doesn't to me. We're going to have to go against our very nature. Look over at Romans 3. Now this is starting to get into the realm of actually beginning to understand God. How do we do it? You know, up till now it's been a little bit kind of bumpy. It's been, well, I don't think I get it. Well, some people talk about getting it and I don't know if I get it. I want to get it. Well, how do you get it if you don't get it? (laughs) That's been a good question up till now. It's like, I hear some of these things and I see them and they make sense to me and they affect me. I can tell you this without hesitation. I am a different person now as a Christian than I used to be. My whole life has changed since I began to understand some of the things the Lord showed me when he got my mind and my attention off of myself. My joy has increased. The problems in my life have become much, much smaller. Everything about the Word of God has changed. Church has changed. Working for the Lord has changed. You say, I thought you were against working for God. Oh, no. (laughs) What I've been trying to do is give you the balance. You know what I mean? I mean, we have had so much work, 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 work put on top of us that it's almost impossible to quit thinking that way. I mean, some of you probably, if you heard some of the things that I've said out of context, you'd think immediately, man, he thinks everything ought to be predestinated. Well, you believe what will be, shall be, don't you? 
I don't think that at all. I think those scriptures over there are still real important. But they're not more important than he is. And there's the difference. The time you spend working for God should have been reversed with how much time you spend thinking of him versus how much you spend working for him. And probably the best suited description is that illustration of that little girl that was washing those dishes. And I've told it before, but that's a great illustration. That little girl standing in that chair up there to that sink, washing big old heavy pots and pans and big plates. And that guy in the living room watching her in there by himself and pretty soon he couldn't stand. He goes in there and he says, aren't these things kind of heavy for you? Isn't this kind of a big job for you to do all by yourself? She turned around with a great big smile. She said, oh no, I'm doing this for my mommy. When was the last time you did something for God and you felt that? When do you feel those things? When do you stand up and sing a song and say, man, God, this is for you. No, it's because we've been beat to death with duty, not amazed by his glory. That's why you're wore out. All you can see is a list of chores. God ain't even anywhere around. It's just, well, when I get this done, I guess I'll just have something else to do. What you really want to do is you want to be able to come to church and say, man, God, I'm here to honor you. I'm here to fellowship with you. I'm here to know more about you. Magnify yourself. Get my attention off of me. Romans 3, 10 to 12. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Now that's our nature right there. And if you think you lost that nature when you got saved, you're terribly mistaken. You didn't lose any of that stuff. What you did was you gained a brand new nature. And now all of a sudden the fight is on. <laughs> the things that you want to do, you know aren't right to do. <laughs> so you fight with this stuff and you say, oh man, you know, I'm wrestling back and forth. You know, new nature, old nature. It's like the guy that had the black dog and the white dog. He said, I feel like they're fighting inside of me. He said, which one wins? He said, the one I feed. Now, if you want to feed the white dog and you want that side of you to win, you feed it on the knowledge of God. That's what you feed it on. And when you feed that dog with that, that guy gains some strength. Anyway, we got to go against our nature. We have to seek after God and not after understanding of him. So what are you talking about? You want to know about God? You're still mentioned first. You've got to turn this thing around to the point where he becomes more important than what you desire. You say, well, how can you do that? You've got to be actually amazed in his presence. Instead of what you get out of it, what does he get out of it? Why'd you make me, God? I made you to fellowship with. Why, God? Because it pleases me. When does it please you, God? When your attention's on me. It's just about like a husband and a wife. You know when that wife's the happiest? When he's focused on her. You think she's happy when he's out knocking himself out, trying to work harder and make more living and build a bigger house and provide better stuff? Remember what I told you about my wife? She got mad at me because I wouldn't quit. <laughs> her attention was focused on me. It wasn't on herself. 
She was upset with me because I wasn't taking care of myself in her opinion. She wanted more from me than I wanted for myself. That's how God feels about us. You know what our problem is? We want more for ourselves, period. God's not even part of it. Do you really want what God wants for you? Then be satisfied with what he gives you every day. Take it right from him as though he handed it to you. What if it's a problem? Take it as though it's a problem he handed you for your improvement, to edify you, to make you appreciate him more. And next week we'll get back into this and we'll start in with going back to the future because that's the next step you have to make. Back to the future. <laughs> that was a movie, wasn't it? <laughs> it's also in the Word of God. It's over in Matthew 18. Let's close in prayer.